The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it's Thursday night, September 1st, 2022, as we record this new episode. A lot is going on with the Chicago White Sox. Tony La Russa on Tuesday met with the media pregame, met with Rick Hahn on the field, and shortly before the game started, was not available for health reasons. He went to get tested in Chicago. Those specialists, according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today, advised La Russa to fly back to see a specialist at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona. La Russa is out indefinitely, and bench coach... Miguel Cairo is in as the interim manager, but for how long? And what does the future hold for La Russa? After winning two out of three against the Royals, the White Sox are still a game below 500, but received help from Baltimore in beating up Cleveland this week. And now the Twins come into town. Is the White Sox 2022 season already written, or is this story not over? John Greenberg, the senior columnist and founding editor of The Athletic, will join us in a moment to discuss. Jim is out this episode, but he'll be back this weekend to help recap the Minnesota Twins series with me. Quickly touching on that series with the preview, the Minnesota Twins are 67-62. and They're currently second place in the American League Central, a game back of Cleveland. They're still three games back of the wild card. In their last 10 games, the Twins are 5-5, five and five, but with other teams struggling, they are making up ground just being a 500 team the last 10 games. The season series goes to the Minnesota Twins. They have won 6 of 10 against the Chicago White Sox. Your pitching problems for this series, Friday night at 7.10 p.m. Central Time. It'll be Sonny Gray, in which the White Sox beat him up in July at Target Field, against the Dart, Davis Martin. Saturday night, 6.15 p.m. Central Time, it's Tyler Molly, the first time facing the White Sox since being acquired by the Twins at the trade deadline, against Dylan Cease. And then Sunday afternoon at 1.10 p.m. Central Time, it'll be Dylan Bundy against Lucas Giolito. Join us on the Sox Machine podcast to talk about everything that's been going on this week with the White Sox as a columnist, as a senior columnist and founding editor of The Athletic. It's John Greenberg. 
And hey, John, usually with these types of weeks for the Chicago White Sox, I, I tease Jim and tell and say to him, what a week for the White Sox. But it's truly been a week. The week is not done. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's start. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's start with the Tony the Rooster news. What do you make of the sudden departure and the possible impact it could have on the ball club? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think obviously people were very confused at first because he was talking to the reporters beforehand. He was on the field talking to Ray Khan. He was doing everything normally. And then they just decided they announced he wasn't going to be there. And it was a medical thing. And, you know, we knew Bob Nightingale would be the one that would have some of the details, including like the funny part where he said, like, his source didn't have like authorization to like speak on the record, be like, we know your sources are like they are. They have the most authorization. Uh, but anyway, like yeah, it's, I mean, like it happens. I mean, people have medical issues. People that are older. Taylor is seventy-seven, so I don't think that's a huge surprise. You know, it sounds like he's doing okay though. It's more just it literally, from what it sounds like, is just tests because Miguel Cairo said he'd been talking to him. You know, I think at first you were like, wait, you know. Are they underselling this? Are they underplaying it? Was, I think, everyone's first mm -hmm. question. But, yeah, it sounds like it really is just test. So, I don't know. Is it win one for the skipper? You know, uh, is there a real win one for the – they've won two in a row, right? Right. Um, so, I don't think he can come back till they lose, healthy or not. <laughs> well, they did have a players-only meeting uh, before. Another one. <laughs> yeah, another one. Well, um, I guess the last one, the last one Tony was in, so it wasn't players-only. Yes. Uh, but for this one, you know, AJ Pollock spoke to the media and said that they were trying to air it out and uh, they came away and they, they want to have fun the rest of the season because nothing else is working for the White Sox this season as they are performing under expectations. What's something that's weird to us over at Sox Machine as we're recording this on Thursday night, we haven't heard from Rick Hahn or Ken Williams on this matter. And that all the news right now regarding LaRusse's health is coming from Miguel Cairo and the players. Would this happen? Like, for example, you, you write about both teams in the city. Like, would it be weird if Andy Green was reporting and speaking to the media that David Ross got sick and he's out indefinitely and not to hear from Jed Hoyer? Like, is it weird that we're not hearing from the White Sox front office? You know, uh, kind of. But, I mean, maybe that does speak to this isn't like a major thing you know what I mean maybe it does speak to the fact that it is just tests I do think it I don't know what the Sox writers have asked for Rick if they've texted him if they and he said no um you know Jerry's obviously not going to talk they don't right. want Kenny to talk so it really is just Rick I, I feel like with the Cubs we would have texted Jed or Theo and been like hey we don't want to talk about this and they probably would have said yes so again, I didn't ask James if, if they asked for Rick. I would assume someone has, but that's usually how it worked with the Cubs. Although, yeah, sometimes it might just be them coming to talk, but I think it really would depend on the seriousness of it. If Joe Madden was just like a little ill, I don't think Theo would have called a press conference, you know? And, you know, we were kind of half joking, half being serious. When people were like, it's kind of, isn't it weird that they're doing this like press release and they're putting it on the video board and everything, but we were kind of joking that they wanted to like, make sure no one's cheering you know if they announce miguel cairo's acting manager I, like i'm not definitely being serious you know mm -hmm. like you do wonder if that's part of it i think the weird part is that the players didn't know like don't you think someone should have just got them all together and said hey tony's not managing 
It doesn't have to be a Kenny Williams. It doesn't have to be Kenny coming to the, to the clubhouse again for one of his clubhouse talks. Um, it could have just been like, you know, someone telling everyone, hey, quiet down for a sec. Tony's out today. Miguel's the manager. Really weird that guys were saying they found out on Twitter. Yeah, Andrew Vaughn. I'll yeah. say this. You're right. And I'll say, I'll, I'll say this, though, covering all the sports. There are times where you are surprised like that. that you find out that the players find out about stuff at the same time you do. It happens more often than I think outsiders think. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, I don't know what Scott, maybe I don't know what Scott Reifert's doing. I feel, you feel like that could be his job as vice president of communications is communicating, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was the one punching it up on the video board. <laughs> we get this question a lot and with him being out indefinitely now because of these tests. And I wonder what your thinking is on this matter. If you had to guess, is Tony the Russo the White Sox manager in 2023? No, I would I would be shocked. It just in general. Um, I would assume like, yeah, we all know Jerry made this hire, right? And Rick had to sign off on it, and Kenny had to sign off on it, but they signed off on it because it was their boss. Their boss that gives them like lifetime jobs. So when you have a boss like that and you have that kind of thing, you you, you do things to make them happy. And, you know, you argue for a little bit and then you're like, all right, let's see if this works. So I would say in that vein, I would assume Jerry knew that, you know, he knows that they know this is his idea. So I think if they come to him after this and say, hey, you know what, I just don't think it's working. Um, let's make a change. And I would say the people that think Jerry, Jerry, even though he doesn't really act like the most dynamic, proactive owner, like it's not like he's sitting at home being like, this is great baseball, right? Jerry's not. He's not. He, he's he's like a curmudgeon about stuff. He's a total cynic about everything. He's miserable in the, about everything with the Sox. You know, he was the one. I think he he really was happy. Rick or, or even wanted Renteria out because he was he was tired of seeing some of the problems. You know, for that team, and I don't think he thought Renteria was a great manager. I I don't know if he's blaming it all on Tony, but I do think, given his own displeasure with the club, that rent that Reinsdorf will sign off on. You know pushing Tony to like, you know, senior buddy to, to the, to the chairman and getting a new manager. This segues great into, cause you wrote two great columns recently regarding the white Sox. The first one I want to chat about your column about the white Sox starting up project Bridgeport. There's a lot of interest in project Birmingham collecting the white Sox top prospects, grouping them together. In my opinion, I think it's producing uneven results early in the process but the whole point of this rebuild was to build a championship team. Do you think the White Sox front office has lost its way a bit in what the true mission is? Um, that's a great question. I, I, you know, that was a real, that was the real question with this club, right? I mean, you know, as people said to me in baseball, and it, it's a pretty common phrase, like the easiest thing in the rebuild is, is trading like veteran players for prospects. Generally not that difficult, especially with, you know, Quintana and Sale, and the fact, you know, the way their contracts work. The hard part's building a real team. And that's really been the bugaboo of the White Sox, right? Is building these complete teams, you know, where it's not just a bunch of power hitters, finding guys who can play defense and hit. You know, it's like they, they've always really struggled at this, it, it building these complete teams. And the funny thing is the one time they did it almost by accident, you feel like in 05, you know, is the one time they win it all, where they, where they do build this team where they, that prioritizes – kind of the intangibles and then they got away from that right 
they totally got away from that like immediately. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I, I think that was been the, our question. And you know, before 2020, they 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 signed Keiko, they signed Grandal, and I think everyone was pretty optimistic, right? I don't think anyone thought those signings put them over the top. But I think people are like, okay, I can see where they're going here. And they worked out for a little bit until they didn't. And, you know, and now here we are. So did they lo- have they lost their way? I don't know. Did they ever no- really know their way? Hmm. <laughs> you know, that's the real question, right? That That is a good question. I would like to think that they had a solid game plan going to 2020. But I'm also at this point, John, I- I'm kind of tired of blaming everything on COVID. That, well, we had great plans for 2020, but then COVID hit and we only had a 60 game season and it kind of messed up with our player development in the minor leagues. And I, I get that to a point, but that impacted every team in Major League Baseball. And what's really changing my thinking as of late is the way that the Baltimore Orioles are playing and just how fearless some other organizations are really challenging their prospects and these prospects immediately making an impact. Also look at uh, Atlanta with Michael Harris for uh, another example. And I just kind of look at the, the White Sox front office and they teased us that there's going to be wave after wave of talent. Now there's Project Birmingham to try to build up one last wave. And we're looking at the payroll next year and we're looking at, you know, empty seats at guarantee Ray field. And if you don't make the postseason, you don't get that postseason revenue. So I think you pose a really good question. Did they ever find their way since they started this rebuild after the 2016 season? And my, my answer would be, I hope so because what other choice do they have? Right. I mean, some of the things they did, you know, do deserve credit. I mean, and I know people are kind of, questioning some of these long-term deals now right you know did they lock up Moncada too soon things like that and I think that's fair but like I would say other executives are super jealous that they got these guys just like they are of Atlanta you mm-hmm. know that they've got these guys locked up you know we saw what happened with the Cubs where it didn't work out and that was a big issue towards the end of, of, of their time and I agree with you on the COVID stuff I don't give that like even a thought really anymore and it's kind of reminiscent I know people in the Sox podcast hate hear me or any columnist talk about the Cubs, but, you know, I will be negative about them for a second because they were like complaining about, you know, all the money that was lost, the biblical losses, as as Tom Rick had said across the sport for COVID, but it didn't seem to stop a lot of other teams from resigning their players or offering big deals. Right. You know, and and the Cubs of anyone have no excuse to complain because they've, they've gotten everything they've wanted in terms of remaking their park and all the revenue enhancers you know, that that provides, you know, credit to the socks that we haven't heard any whining. Really, we haven't heard any whining about finances. I mean, they've got a high payroll this year. You know, it might not be allocated in, in the best way, but, you know, Jerry did spend money and, you know, he's, that's a little bit of spec spending money because they don't have the, the guaranteed money from, from, a, you know, a ton of season ticket holders. More with John Greenberg after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, in your latest column, the misery index ranking from the worst to the best White Sox season in recent memory, there's strong contenders for the worst season. You got 2011 <laughs> with the drama between Kenny and Ozzy. You got the disaster of 2016. Jim and I started podcasting about the White Sox in 2014. So we podcasted throughout the 2016 season. That gets my worst season vote uh, just because of having to podcast through that year. But you make a very strong case that 2022 is the worst in recent memory. And we still got 30 games left to go in this season. Any chance that this season falls out of that worst spot? Or do you think that this season's story has already been written? I mean, I would say it's already been written. I mean, yeah, if they go like 20 and 10 the rest of the way and make the, and then, you know, Cleveland falls apart, then I think, yeah, this, that would be kind of the story. But I don't think, I don't think anyone would forget about the misery of early mm-hmm. on, but I think it would have to fall out, right? I mean, I had, I originally had 2016 ahead of 2011. And then James told me I should switch it. So I listened to James there um, and, and he made some valid points. So, yeah, I mean, I've covered all these seasons. They all kind of blur together. I mean, <laughs> some of these years I was like, what the hell happened in 2014? I don't even remember that year. What was it doing in 20, you know, like I remember 2015 because of Samarja mm-hmm. and like what, a, and what a train wreck that was. And, uh, and then talking to him years later, he had not some great, he, he liked a lot of people there. And he also did not like some, some of the stuff that was going on. He, he definitely saw some dysfunction in the organization. Like, interesting. Should have interviewed him interview because he, he saw some interesting stuff. But uh, it's some of those years, man. Oh, geez. And there's only like a few that are good. Like, I mean, you know, and like some of the good ones are like, yeah, they missed the playoffs, but they won 90 games. Like, right. think about that. They didn't win. They, didn't, they went from 2006 to last year of winning 90 games. They won 90 games in 20, 2006. 90, what, three last year? Yes. 
that's a long drought in a winnable division. Although I, I will say winnable division. The division's been had some really good teams over that time, but still, it's not like that, you know, it's still a definite, you know, you definitely have a chance to do that. Yeah, it's a mid-market haven, especially with the elder Illich passing away. Like, you don't have this owner that's willing to throw down a lot of cash on a whim. You, you don't really have that. Kansas City had their little run. Mm-hmm. You know, Cleveland's been pretty consistent over that time of, of competing almost every year. Even years like this, where they don't want to compete. That's the funniest part about this year, is that Cleveland didn't even want to win. Yep. They're just like, all right, I guess we've got to win this division. Uh, <laughs> someone's got to win this division with 86 games. It might as well be us. Yeah, Terry Francona recently said, time to stop developing, it's time to start winning. And in September, <laughs> it's like, wow, okay, your guys' mentality was still developing players, and you're in first place, so you're you're in pretty good shape there. Moving over to the White Sox front office, in other Major League Baseball organizations, when you see a front office spend at a record amount, and the end result is a below 500 team entry September, playing well below expectations, possibly creating payroll problems for the following season. And off the field, there's two lawsuits against the department, one with Omar Vizquel, and the second being Brian Ball's termination case. That lawsuit is still active. I don't think it's bold to say that Rick Hahn would be uploading his resume on, on Indy.com. Uh, chances would be very high if the White Sox operated like another franchise he would be fired. Kenny Williams' job would be in serious jeopardy. We would be talking about a new front office in Chicago along with Detroit and Texas. But it's the White Sox. And as you mentioned, these guys seem to have lifetime jobs. Do you think Rick Hahn survives this season? Well, one, also, I want to see you forgot West Helms and his, his – Oh, his yes. Team. Although there's no, lawsuit, yes. there's no lawsuit involved there yet, but another minor league manager um, – you know, having to get fired for his behavior, I think is not a great look for your franchise. Um, you know, wh- whether or not other t- other GMs would get fired, it depends on the relationships with owners. You've seen plenty of guys survive, you know, controversies, lawsuits, things like that, because they have a good relationship with the owner. You know, it's not just the Sox, but the Sox do have their own special place in the fact that Jerry doesn't get rid of people. I mean, it's not, and it's not just the White Sox, it's also the Bulls. You know, until Michael Reinsdorf took over, you know, and even then, even after Michael took over, I mean, John Paxson fired himself. I mean, he told us that on the and people are calling from just straight out on the radio saying you should you should be fired. He was like, when I want to leave, I'll leave, and that's he, that's what he did before that season. Um, you know, that 1920 season, he said, I'm done after this year, and he and from what I heard, he checked out that whole season, and they let Jim Boylan run the entire show. And people that work for the Bulls told me it was the, their worst experience. I can't in imagine professional sports. It, people told me that have been there for you know more than a decade. They've never experienced anything like this. I've talked to security guards that are there, like don't mention his name to me. I mean, <laughs> wow. that's you know. So when you judge Jerry Reinsdorf and a Jerry Reinsdorf team, you know this is going to happen. And listen, some of his. I will say this, and you know, when the book is written on Jerry Reinsdorf, one thing you do have to say to him is he treats people well. And I'm not talking about Kenny and Rick. I'm talking about the people that work for the team for decades and they have job security, they, they you know, livable wages. They're, you know, he fought for their pensions when baseball was get, trying to get rid of all non-field you know, pensions. So Jerry is good in that way, which is great. But, you know, when people root for a sports team, they don't root for secretaries and you know, 
directors of promotions. They root for, they root for the on-field product. So, you know, Jerry deserves the criticisms that he gets. But yeah, I don't, Rick's going to survive. Where's he going? Who's going to fire him? Who's going to take his job? Like, you know, I've heard that, you know, I've heard that the theory that you know, Chris Getz gets promoted. Well, Chris Getz, like you said, I like Chris Getz. And I don't know, you know, I haven't really talked about the suits. It's wrong for me to blame anything on him. I, I can't blame Omar Vizquel's behavior on Chris Getz. But in the same sense, he's in charge of the minors and all this stuff's going on. Right. He's the guy you're going to promote. You know, I think there'd have to be some questions answered. You know, not that Jerry's going to ask these questions, but in theory, you know, in a perfect universe we're constructing where, where the White Sox make sense. Here's where change is going to happen with the White Sox. And I hate to be, you know, macabre about this, but like it's, it's when Jerry passes away and they sell the team. And, and that's when change happens. When change happens when you sell a team. You know, Jim Hendry wasn't fired by the Tribune Company. He, he was let go after, uh, you know, a year by Tom Ricketts. And, you know, when, when someone new buys the team, you expect change. So, you know, uh, that's when you're going to see it. That's when Sox fans are going to see it is, is, is when that happens. Unless Rick, listen, Rick wants, to, wants less stress in his life. He should pull a Theo Epstein, get a job with uh, one of these private equity firms that's Arctos Sports Partners that just – buying little shares of teams mm-hmm. you know it's a lot less stress man you don't have to talk <laughs> to me and scott merkin or you don't have to listen to james's questions you know yeah 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 i i could i could see that i let's see if it makes more money that way but i, I could see that so then with that being said if we're not going to see drastic changes from the chicago white Sox. Other than maybe Tony La Russa stepping down as manager and becoming a senior advisor or special advisor to Jerry Reinsdorf at the front office. Another question that we've been getting a lot, how do the White Sox fix this? How do they bounce back from 2022 and reach their potential in 2023? Or should White Sox fans gear up for a possible mini rebuild that may have to happen? I think they can. I mean, listen, I don't think everything is Tony's fault. I really don't. I think it's, you know, and I think Liam Hendricks had, I saw his quotes get played in uh, today, the other day about how, um, you know, he basically felt that their the players got too cocky. They got too complacent. You know, we're just going to roll over this, this crappy division. So I, I think the players deserve, you know, a lot of grief. I think the organization deserves a lot of grief. I mean, these injuries, it's not the Tony LaRusso workout plan here. He's, he's not getting them on, uh, you know, he's not Lloyd man. He's not uh, what's his name? Mandelbaum from, uh, Seinfeld working these guys out. So, <laughs> so, you know, I think there is some other stuff that they've got to address. But I do think a new manager with some enthusiasm and with some energy would absolutely shake things up. And I think, you know, as much as Ozzy gets his criticism and there's plenty of Sox fans that are, they're, they're tired of the Ozzy show. They don't, we find them, you know, they only find them funny on the post game. And besides that, they're, they're annoyed with them. But uh, listen, Ozzy came in and shook things up, and he said it's going to be different. He was a 180 from Jerry Manuel, who was a fine person, a great, you know, a good manager. And they needed that shakeup. Maybe it didn't last very long. You know, Ozzy's effect on some of the veterans, I think, I think dimmed from what, I, what the guys have told me, dimmed pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But they needed that kind of shakeup, and I think this White Sox team does too. I mean, think of the man. Ricky was Ricky was fine. Ricky was kind of fiery, but like, I, you know, I don't know how many people really like were scared of Ricky or were like you know, thought that Ricky's going to be the, this awesome manager. I think they, they've got to find someone a little younger that they can connect with. And I think that'll help. And I also think, listen, the, you know, one of the big problems, again, I'll, I'll bring up the Cubs just because the Sox modeled so much after the rebuild right. is, you know, they know in retrospect, there are moves they should have made to shake things up and they didn't do it. And they fell in love with their players. 
and they didn't get rid of guys. Now, can the White Sox even do that with some of their guys to shake things up and get maybe more well-rounded players, get different kinds of guys? I mean, can they do anything with Yon Moncada? No, there's got to be like, unless there's some executive out there that's absolutely in love with him and is willing to trade for him. No, they're not going to get anything for him. Like, you know, Eloy's a guy I'm like, they could probably trade Eloy's a great hitter and I love watching him, but like, could they trade Eloy? I don't know. Maybe, you know, do you trade Giolito? I mean, there's some stuff like sometimes you just kind of, you, you can't fall in love with all your guys. And I think that's the thing people think about, about Rick is that he's, in love. he loves all these guys he's assembled, you know, his super team that he's assembled, but unlike the Cubs, you know, we're talking about the Cubs not doing it after they won a world series. Right. These guys won one playoff game, you know, and I really think that was more due to Kane guy than anything else <laughs> um, and his, his magic stick. But like they didn't want anything, so like maybe I'm like you know jumping the gun here and shaking things up. No, Jim suggested trading Deloy Jimenez before this season, uh, last off season. Uh, so he, he's been he's been kind of ahead on that. I, I think Liam Hendricks could get moved if, if a team wants a closer. You got a lot of money built up in that bullpen. Tim Anderson's got two years left on his contract. They're really cheap years for shortstops, but you know shortstops are getting really expensive and if a team doesn't want to pay you know over 140 million dollars in a shortstop maybe they call Rick Hahn regarding Tim Anderson but the White Sox don't have a really good shortstop behind Tim Anderson right now in the farm system they could swap out with it's going to be a very interesting offseason it's going to be a very interesting last 30 days here for the Chicago White Sox shockingly they're still in this race even though they're a game below 500 uh, but it should be quite the ride, no matter how bumpy it really gets. But you can follow John on Twitter. He's at John underscore Greenberg. You can read his excellent work on theathletic.com as he covers all Chicago sports. Lucky for John, he's got the Chicago Bears regular season football to write about to distract him from the White Sox. But John, I greatly appreciate you joining us on the Sox Machine podcast. All right. Thanks for having me. That will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoy our work and want more, you can help support us at patreon.com slash Machine, where our Patreon supporters receive exclusive content like the P.O. Sox mailbag, ad-free versions of the podcast and website, and the first opportunity to acquire our new Sox Machine swag. Monthly plans start at $2, so you can save with an annual subscription by signing up at patreon.com slash Machine. You can follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. Hear us on the Bernstein and Home Show Friday afternoons on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. I'll be joining Dan and Lawrence on Friday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Subscribe to the Sox Machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts as the Sox Machine podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. Your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire podcast network. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.